Hello and welcome to the Court of Owls podcast, our very special Christmas episode and our season finale for season one. With me, I have finally back Marvelous Muse. Hello. And V. Hey. It is Christmas. We are going to celebrate the holidays. Kind of similar to what we did with our Halloween and Easter specials. We tried to find a holiday-centered comic to talk about. Because we wanted some good oldies. Yeah. Let's bring it back around. I'm actually going to start us off. We were just talking about this team earlier before we hit record, talking about Young Justice. Not the one that just came out. Also, not the cartoon. This is the one from the 90s, the original Young Justice. This is actually issue 40 from 2002. Peter David knows how to write. Yeah, this was written by Peter David, and the art was by Todd Nock. Yes. This was called The Night Before Doomsday. And it was basically written like a Christmas carol, narrated by Robin, Tim Drake. This was actually a <laughs> story Robin. from, like, the earlier... <laughs> <laughs> Had to say it, didn't you? This is what happens. Welcome back, Muse. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, <laughs> this is an earlier story from, like, the first year or so of the Young Justice team, compared to, like, in the timeline of the comic run. So you have Connor, Tim, Bart, Cassie, Secret, their friendly ghost partner in crime. I forgot about her. And then Arrowette, Sissy King Jones. Because as we know throughout the series, she keeps saying time and time again, she quits. So this is why you also know this is an earlier story for them. So as I said, it's written as a Christmas carol, rhyming galore, narrated by Robin, starts off in what he labeled the bat room, because he got food poisoning from Arrowitz crab cakes, <laughs> while the rest of the team is decorating their HQ in Happy Harbor for Christmas, waiting for something to happen. All of a sudden, they get a blip on the radar, something is coming to Earth, Immediately, they try contacting the Teen Titans, the Justice League, the JSA, Outsiders. They ask if Doom Patrol is still a thing. Nobody's around (laughs) because it's the holidays. So it's just up to them to stop this thing. So they all get in their super cycle. They take off trying to follow this bogey, which actually comes into contact with Wonder Girl. Turns out to be Mordrick of the Great Kund Alliance. So now the Kuns was an alien race that has actually been in DC Comics since the 60s, 70s-ish. They normally came in contact with Superman and the Green Lanterns. This guy, Mordrick, is basically attacking the Earth this time because he is so tired of the Earth heroes always defeating the Kuns in battle every time they try to take over the planet. So, I'm going to read a little excerpt. Of his plan. <clears throat> and so in the name of my people entire, I have taken these steps to make sure you expire. I fashioned this bomb blast and then took my essence <laughs> and placed it within as a last Christmas present. For the whole human race, yes, I'm willing to die if it means every last one of you Cretans will fry. I'm personally guiding this doomsday device to blow you to bits. Yes, it's worth the price. 
wacky. So he turns himself into a kamikaze, pretty much. And so Robin immediately tells everyone, okay, get all the weapons up, shooting this thing down before it comes crashing to Earth. Meanwhile, the entire time, Impulse is writing on this giant scroll. Yep. The entire carol. So now you know who made this entire thing up. Not surprising considering how fast Bart's just brain can run. But the fact that, like, he can rhyme so well. Because <laughs> it's impulse. Yeah. He hates this type of, like, old literature stuff. I think he but, was you know, it's for, funny. like, the hokiness of it all. Yeah, it's so hokey. It's kind of silly, limericky. And also, as the story progresses, you see, like, a little chibi version of Impulse trying to hold the scroll up. Yep. And, like, acknowledging that it's getting longer and longer and covering the art on the page. Because it basically starts off with, like, full pages of art as, like, this scroll is just narrating everything. There's no other dialogue outside of this. Mm. So they're firing everything they have. Nothing's working. They decide, okay, we're just going to have to crash right into him. We may die in the process, but they'll never know Young Justice is the one who saved them. But that's okay, because they'll be living. And so, another little excerpt here. We steeled ourselves and drove ourselves forward, and then we saw something completely untoward. A streak of bright light and a jingling of bell. We looked at each other. I said, what the hell? We're seeing things, right? I mean, he can't be here. But there he was, with sleigh and all eight reindeer. Freaking Santa Claus <laughs> is flying through the sky. Oh, yeah, I remember now. <laughs> and he, said, he called out to us in a greeting so bright, Happy Christmas to all and to, Oh, holy night, one side, you old fool, we heard Mordrick say. You're right in my path. Get out of my way. But the charges were frozen, all stumbling with fright, like eight tiny reindeer caught in a headlight. Look out, we all shouted, till our voices were hoarse. And the jolly old elf, well, he tried to change course. This is the one where they kill Santa? Yep. Yep. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. All you see, apparently, is clumps of fur... And the smell of burnt reindeer. Oh, gosh. But somehow, <laughs> by the spirit of Christmas, Santa's bag landed perfectly in the super cycle. With all the presents left to deliver. Oh, no. All of them addressed. Why so... did you say this is the Christmas carol? This is the Santa Claus. <laughs> I get the things mixed up. Okay. I was watching a lot of Christmas things the past couple of days. <laughs> yeah, this is the night before Christmas. Yes, not Christmas Carol, but everything gets blended in my head yeah. like the past two weeks. I watched The Muppets Christmas Carol. I watched White Christmas. I just watched It's a Wonderful Life last night. He's never seen any of these before. No. This is my first time watching all that stuff. I watched, like, you know, Frosty. Every time uh, a bell Rudolph rings, the Grinch. an angel gets its wings. It's classic. Yeah. Like, I, I knew the saying. For some reason, I thought it was in Miracle on 34th Street. Because that I've seen. Same time period. Yeah, same time period. Both black and white. Children. I got it a little confused. Yeah. Yeah, so. This is more towards the night before Christmas. 
But yes, yeah, so then they take it upon themselves to go and deliver the last of these presents. They said, we hit Oklahoma, we went to Peru, we cruised over Fresno and Kalamazoo, we flew from Paducah and on to Istanbul, but not Constantinople, because I'm not a fool. Oh my god! We blew through Hawaii and China, Japan, Zimbabwe, Rhodesia, and Yucatan. How long did it take us, you ask? Just one night? Through the magic of Christmas? Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. It took us two months. Three weeks and five days. By the time we finished, we were in a haze. Everybody was pissed at them. They're like, what the heck? Why are you so late? This isn't what I asked for. Why am I getting coal? Next time you do this around, make sure Santa Claus is with you so I can get exactly what I wanted. <laughs> so then it just ends with like, this, like, like oh, but the, everyone got to enjoy the holidays, blah, blah, blah. The scroll is completely covering the page. Secret and Impulse both actually pop their heads out. They're looking at the words like, that is a lot of words like yeah this is all the words we didn't use in issue 31 <laughs> because yep. for those of you who don't know in issue 31 there was no dialogue nope. oh whatsoever which is hilarious <laughs> i loved that reference it was an issue with no dialogue because superboy at that time didn't have his superpowers this was right after the sins of youth event He's just so, like, depressed and kind of wants to, like, lounge out and do whatever. So he tells Impulse, like, I am going to basically knock you out if you make any noise whatsoever. Just leave me alone. Oh, yeah. Leave me be. And so Bart took it upon himself with Secret's help to try and get Connor new superpowers. So they're doing, like, a bunch of, like, different chemical things. They try a radioactive spider. It was just all mine, which is yeah. one of the best things. But yeah, that was was the night before Young Justice. I loved it so much. I read the, probably this entire series, like, I don't know, three, four times maybe. <laughs> From, like, Young Justice number one to the Graduation Day event to the Jeff Johns, like, Teen Titans run. Probably a solid, like, three times. I grew up with this. I grew up with this team. I love them so much. I give this one, like, 10 out of 10 Hollies. Because it's Christmas. I like how you assigned each of us different rating yep. uh, <laughs> items. Gosh. This one was just, reading it out of context and reading it for like a holiday thing definitely makes more sense. But when you're reading this in a run, it just comes out of, it just comes out of nowhere. But it's just so quirky and so funny because I'm guessing this definitely probably came out around the holiday season when it um, was It came released. out in February. Oh, it came out Of February? 2002. Why? Well, no, no, no. Because if you think... Was it actually? I don't know. Um, that's weird. But but that's also just because the way comics worked sometimes with yeah. them. Because I know even Superman, he had a Y2K event that stretched from January to like, I want to say like late February, March as well. Well, it was still cute. And mm -hmm. it's, it's so them. And then it's like, it extends your disbelief of like, did this actually happen? Because it's impulse writing it. Like... Exactly. He, he's totally exaggerating. But even the parts with Santa Claus, they're like, maybe he gets reborn every year by, like, magic or something? Maybe people were right. We don't know. All we know is, is that he sacrificed himself to save us by accident. And the way it's written <laughs> is so Peter David. Like, when oh, I first yeah. read this, like, because I read Young Justice, like, two years ago, maybe now. And 
I was so shocked by this writing style because it is so quirky and different and unapologetically wacky and self-referential. It's like he's an illegal his own. <laughs> and so this kind of writing, it's just, it's fun, it's silly, it just kind of encapsulates what comics are to me. Oh yeah. And also Todd Knox art in yeah. this. Like, mm-hmm. it does start out very... Uh, Twas the Night Before Christmas with, like, the scroll and the picture. Mm. And then, of course, as Joe mentioned, all of a sudden the scroll starts to, like, overtake the page. And then it starts getting, like, really complicated to actually read because you're like, oh, my God. Um, mm-hmm. If I recall, it starts, like, <laughs> twisting. And little Barts are just trying to hold things up. I don't know if it's just, like, imaginary Barts or just, like, Bart trying to, like, super speed to hold this thing up as he's writing at I the don't same know time. either because I was just uh, explaining to V, like, in, the, like, the 90s, like, 2000s, it w- was pretty common to see, like, little chibi versions and like, some of these comic book characters. Yeah, it's gonna show up in my review, too. Between, like, Young Justice, I remember even the Teen Titans Go comic, the one that went with the TV show, they had whole little mini shorts with their little chibi people. And Young Justice has used it a couple times in theirs as well, not just with uh, Bart's thinking process. Yeah. Because he doesn't think in words, he thinks in pictures like a Looney Tunes character. Yes, he does. (laughs) Which it could just be, like, Looney Tunes Bart-ness with how Mm -hmm. ridiculous this is. But it's just so cute. So cute. The whole series is very family-friendly. It just feels like a, an afternoon cartoon that you would mm-hmm. you would go back to watch. Too. It does get dark sometimes in the series, but nothing as drastic as, like, let's say, Teen Titans, which is pretty close to like their age group. Yep. Well, it never it, gets so serious. It always feels like it never loses sight of what it's for. Mm-hmm. And what it's for is to give you a fun time of escapism and silliness. Like, I remember when I first read it, and I was just like, um, Joe? Why were there nuns there? <laughs> like, they just, like, knocked over a bunch of nuns. What's that about? And it was, like, on the Great Wall of China or something like yeah. that. And I was like, what is happening here? And I think I had talked to Todd Knock about that. I was like, what on earth, man? And he's just like... Yeah, it's crazy. Like getting to write, like getting getting to draw for Peter David was like a real treat because he is such a creative, out there writer. I was very new, I was very young and eager, and the stuff he would have me draw was so chaotic and like getting to match the level of chaos in the writing with the chaos in the art. And of course, I'm paraphrasing him wildly, so not probably not even like doing it correctly but basically the gist of what i got from it was that Mm. he was allowed to express his imagination to its limits and just take a bunch of risks because that was the kind of environment that peter david was fostering with the sort of creative and out there writing style so a lot of the success of young justice the series is i in my opinion due to the collaboration between those two not just peter Mm -hmm. david Mm mm-hmm but I really do like both of them together. Like, the wackiness so in that art style there, that's oh, yeah. pretty nice. His his expressions with those characters are very expressive. Yes. Which is, you don't really see that a lot of the times in comics sometimes. They weirdly get can sort of subdued. So, mm-hmm. but at the same time, like you mentioned, they didn't take them ser- seriously a lot of the times. Like, you had a lot of one-off weird, wacky adventures yeah. with these characters. But when it did come down to, like, when they did present the stakes, I know this is getting mm. more into like the series itself, but it, it kind of 
I know you two love the series, and it immediately are going to do that. It's 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 going to reflect the one shot, this one little mm-hmm. issue. When it does get serious, um, they, the characters will get a little more on the serious side. Like, they'll take themselves seriously when they need to. But then Bart, of course, will do something ridiculous in the background mm-hmm. or make a referential humor. So, like this. But even then, because, like, the th- I want to say, like, at least, like, the four main characters, like, uh, Connor, Tim, Bart, and Cassie, they grew up in this series. Yep. And you notice a lot of big changes, at least in Cassie, because aside from, like, costume changes and stuff, but even Confidence. just... Confidence! Yeah, major confidence boosts. Bart, you notice, like, he starts to realize, like, okay, this isn't, like, the video games I was educated on back in the future. Real life is a lot different. It has a lot of consequences, especially when he lost, like, his little uh, scout. And then Connor, you know, he's still going back and forth between Metropolis and Hawaii at the time. And then also losing his powers and not knowing what's going on with that. Then getting him back, getting older, having a lot of loss in his life in the other comics. Yeah, he matures a lot. And Tim, he understands how to be more of a leader Mm because he's not a leader, really. Well, because he always says, he's like, I'll lead, but I'm not going in the spotlight. I'm supposed to be a legend. So, yes, this was a 10 out of 10. If you guys haven't read the series yet, or if you're curious to, I highly recommend it. It is done purely by Peter David and Todd Nock. It was from 1998 to 2003. It is only 55 issues, not including the extra, like, one-shot tie-ins for the Sins of Youth event. So, now, Muse. Uh What do you have now that you're back? We have another quirky comic, uh, but this time with Marvel. I thought I was going to be the only one covering a Marvel comic. And I'm going to be doing Gwenpool Holiday Special, the Merry mm. Mix-Up. This came out in 2016, so it's a lot more recent compared to the others two. But it's still pretty funny. It's a bit of an anthology. The writers were Christopher Hastings, Ryan North, Carla Piccio, Nick Kosher, and the artists were Michia Hayes. Nathan Stockman, Oscar Bazolda, probably a bunch of these names, and Bruno Oliveria. Mm. Um, so, of course, as the title suggests, this is a Gwynpool Christmas special ridiculousness. So we're gonna get another wacky comic. It starts out with Gwynpool spending Christmas with who am I assuming or her super friend team from mm. the comics. I didn't read the Gwynpool stuff. But based off the fact that they're what? in this little bay. <laughs> you didn't read Gwenpool? No, I've read little bits of her, but I was like, this is going to be fun. Christopher Hastings is her best writer, in yeah. my opinion. Okay. He knows how to write Gwenpool, so this is a good choice. Based off of the titling, he does the main Gwenpool stuff. The rest of it are not Gwenpool stories. I'll get to that in a bit. But they do tie into the weird wackiness that's going on here. So she's spending time with her friends, but everything is off because she starts to hang up Christmas lights around their base and all of a sudden Galactus shows up on the TV and she's like, Galactus is attacking! And she's like, we gotta go do something! And her friends are like, whoa, 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 whoa. Why are we going after Galactus? He's a bad guy. It's Christmas. He's trying to ruin Christmas. And they're like, you do know that Galactus is like the epitome of Christmas. And she's like, is that Santa Claus? I met the man last year. <laughs> I spent Christmas with you guys. Just because I'm from another reality doesn't mean Christmas is totally different. So 
Galactus apparently has replaced Santa Claus. Okay. And a bunch of other holidays have changed. So you now have Thanksgiving, uh, where everyone gives each other tacky holiday hot pants or like booty shorts to each other. Oh, gosh. That's very Gwenpool. Weirdly stupid yet oddly hilarious. The Night of Scrolls, where you beat pinatas to find out which hides the secret chocolate scroll. Feast of Fish, because apparently back in like the 1940s, there was a bunch of starving people, so Namor miraculously delivered fish from the sea, and they rained down upon the people. So they eat huh. fish at the end of December. It's weird. And of course, the Winter Solstice is still a thing, but totally different. Um, the walls between dimensions become thin, and visitors from across all realities can meet, including those who have died. Huh. Interesting. Not only that, holiday lyrics have changed. Last Christmas, I gave you my fish. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Let's not make it dull. Put on your shortest pants and overcommit to plans to visit every party with a scroll. Oh. <laughs> That's a lot. <laughs> yeah. One of the lyric changes strikes Gwen as kind of odd, and she decides to pay good old Santa Claus a visit. And the lyrics are from the, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. So, stay clear mm-hmm. of the North Pole. Something's awful in the ice, and it would not be nice to play a deadly season's full toll. Seriously, don't go north. Everyone knows to stay far, very far away. In the south, we're only good tidings burst forth. Goes off to the North Pole. That little bit stops, and we'll continue on. With that later because then it gets sandwiched in between the actual windpool is three other stories that have to deal with these wacky christmas changes or holiday changes because i think pantsgiving is replacing thanksgiving mm-hmm. um the other two i have no idea i think the feast of fish might have to be hanukkah or maybe they're an amalgamation because the feast of fish in concept sounds a lot like thanksgiving i was also just thinking the italian tradition of the seven different fishes <laughs> fish is just important apparently <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna talk to you about that later but uh so the first story we get i like this one this one's really cute we get miles morales and he's at the mall with his friend and instead of meeting the mall santa you're meeting the mall galactus and instead right. of that like gaudy purple and bluish colored outfit that he wears he's in mm-hmm. golden white so there's like a mall galactus Ooh. sitting there and paladin skin galactus yeah (laughs) and above him instead of floating silver orb and coming from it is a bunch of silver surfers so instead Ah. of the reindeer it's silver surfers and one of them has a derpy little like rudolph nose oh no (laughs) so they're talking about oh galactus can't be real bloody bloody blada and miles is like well, if Norse gods exist and all this, like, why isn't it out of the realm of possibility that Galactus exists? Okay, Santa. Mm-hmm. As they're walking down the streets of New York, there's another person kind of mimicking the people with the bells. Salvation Army. Yeah, Salvation Army. I had to do that today, too. I couldn't remember the name. <laughs> God. But um, they're dressed up as Galactus, and they say, Galactus hungers for your donation. Oh my gosh. gosh. (laughs) This is so dumb. I love it. So all of a sudden, he's just kind of talking with his friend, and Fing Fang Foom, which is this giant dragon from Marvel, 
I know nothing about Fing Fang Foom, except his name is so racist. Practically um, comic relief. Shows up in the middle of Times Square, and Miles beats him, like, real quick, because what do you expect? It's a little short story. And and all of a sudden, Red Skull, Modok, and Thanos just appear all of a sudden as well, because they're trying to take advantage of the fact that all the heroes are at home for the holidays, and no one's going to be there to deal with them and miles is like really guys they're home in new york city so let's go destroy new york city together like they are all walking in arm in arm yep the red skull modok and thanos like they're the freaking <laughs> three stooges it's so stupid and of course all of a sudden galactus just shows up and they run off like he doesn't even like beat them to a pulp and miles is like <gasps> he does exist and he has this like really weird conversation with him but it's so funny so miles he goes home and he like flops on his bed and he falls asleep all of a sudden this giant finger opens up the window it's galactus and it shoots through and uses galactus magic and zaps presence into his room with a stocking and everything so he gets his extra special web shooters web fluid acid proof because fing fang foom shoots it's acid and not fire I'm not kidding, this is what it says on the socks. Regular socks, in parentheses, everyone needs regular socks. Oh. And then there's this, like, trading card thing titled Galactus Guide to Good Pals with Spider-Man on it. Um, Aww. And it says on the card, because it's him, like, beating up Thanos, uh, Red Skull, and MODOK. And it says... Real nice guy. Just the class act all the way. And don't worry, Miles. Galactus has your back. I'm always watching. I know when you're sleeping. I know when you're awake. Which sounds creepier when you think about it, but whatever. I make it work. Anyways, keep doing what you're doing, bud. We're all rooting for you. And hey, Merry Christmas. It was so cheesy and dumb, and I love it. It's so creepy. It's so creepy, but it's hilarious. Then, of course, because not only was Christmas messed up but thanksgiving sort of was so now we're on to this weird pantsgiving story freaking pantsgiving um i'm gonna speed through the next two because they were just weird i guess it's making a statement about people not understanding the true meaning of like the holidays like thanksgiving and christmas and getting consumed by like consumerism and all of this stuff and being like hey it's about family it's about all of this so they're like talking about how weird pants giving is and like why do we do it and it's like do we do it guys (laughs) (laughs) and some people celebrate it year round and they show squirrel girl because she wears shorts somebody gets upset because no one's buying her pants i don't know and once again fing fam shows up again she summons him and is like go make sure people buy my pants or go kill people that don't and you're like what so Go kill people that don't buy me pants. Kill 99% of the population of the world. Well, if she's not getting pants, that's everyone. Just kill everyone. That's true. So, of course, uh, the Punisher is at the hospital and sees this going on the news, so he <laughs> leaves to go deal with it. Yeah, I think he's at the hospital. I don't remember. Goes to deal with it. He's visiting his daughter. Oh, Frank. Okay. So he takes down. Fin- he takes him down, and this. I forget who summoned him. I... She, I thought she was Kate for a while, like Hawkeye, and it was not, and I was like, this is weird. Um, and he says something, and it's the only thing that I actually was like, huh. 
He's got a point, and it's weird coming from freaking Frank Castle, of all people. Pantsgiving isn't about selling people things or forcing them to wear what you want. It's uh, people caring about you enough to give you something really stupid you don't need, and you caring enough about them to look like an idiot for a day. So she apparently learns her lesson and is like, you know what? I'm going to just give everyone all these hot pants, a.k.a. booty shorts, that I have for freebies. So you see, like, Iron Man putting one on, oh, and they're, no. like, flames on him. Mm. Uh, Miles found one in his locker, and they're, like, the classic Spider-Man little shorts. And of course, Frank goes back to his motel, and there's a box, and oh, no. it, like, he puts them on, and they're just, they're like black booty shorts with a Punisher little skull at like the very bottom, and he's like, freaking holiday. And you're like, why? Why would you put them on, Frank? No one's forcing you. We move on to an even worse and weird story. You get this red skull story that is dumb, and I refuse to talk more about it, except Apparently the ghost of Hitler comes to Red School Skull in like a Christmas Carol like way, and that's pretty much the only thing of note. <laughs> Has like a weird fever dream of Hitler coming to him. What does Hitler have to say? I completely skipped at through that point. I was like, oh, fever dream. I'm done. I moved on. Uh, oh, because I was like, that's what got you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I accept Hitler, but I draw the line at fever dreams. <laughs> I was done because he went to go talk to. This nerdy dude in a cubicle that was like yes i'm the head of social media and he's like we have a social media and it's like oh no this is, this is getting oh. really weird and it mm. it was already strange so i moved on and as i was scrolling and looking i was like hitler ghost <laughs> it just kept going um so <laughs> that happened it was like the equivalent of like opening a bunch of doors in an abandoned hotel and she opens one and it's like Hitler slams it and keeps walking. <laughs> so it finishes out with of course Gwynpool. She makes it to the North Pole and gets attacked by this like eldritch abomination of like a purple blob with like multiple mouths and she kills it. And she finds uh Santa's little cottage up in the north pole and he freaks out almost attacks and it's like whoa whoa santa poor santa just apparently wanted a break for a year so he used his little santa magic to like change christmas to where he wasn't christmas like he wasn't in charge of giving the gifts to the kids and all that he just didn't care well apparently his magic was too powerful it affected of course more than just christmas whoops he had no idea and because of this i'm guessing it imbalanced everything and weird eldritch abominations kept going after him i don't know um but how did he know gwenpool then he remembers because he changed it all because he was planning on change he just wanted a break for a year it's a wonderful Um, life thing he's gonna change it back after new year's he just wanted a break but he was fine with changing it back now because apparently he was causing more harm than good he had no idea what he was doing but he offers to wait a bit because of that weird effect change to the winter solstice because she'd get to see her parents from her home reality she just mm. waited a couple of days but she remembers that batrock baltrock he's great he's like her mentor he's oh. they're very close yep he apparently lost somebody that he was close to he lost his loved one and every year in this reality she comes back right. and he gets to see her so it's really hard for him to move on and now he just hates christmas like he hates the holidays Aww. and because of her just 
relationship with him and the rest of her new friends here in this reality, she decides, you see, it shifts back and Christmas is back to normal. Like, she sacrificed seeing her family to make them happy and so he wouldn't be upset during the holidays this year. And you're just like, oh my god, that was so touching. Like, this entire thing was just a ridiculous... That's how he does it. He puts a bunch of ridiculous stuff in your head and brings it back around. God, and then he hits you with the feels. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, That's a tearjerker. That was a little tearjerkery. And that that was the Gwynpool special. That emotional payoff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like I unfortunately had to give this 7 out of 10 jollies. Thank you. That's going to make us do it. God. But um, I feel I would have probably given it at least like an 8 or a 9 even if the pants keeping one was in there. But that Red Skull one was just weird. Yeah. That's what happens, too, when you're working with a bunch of different writers and artists for all, like, these short stories. You can definitely tell, like, this isn't Hastings' work. This is probably, like, his plot. Kind of like what Scott Snyder has to do with, like, the death metal, like, one-shot stuff with all these different little mini-stories in there. It could have just been, like, here's some, like, holiday changes. Just write a story about him. And the Red Skull one was like, no, Mm. I'm just going to write a dumb Christmas story. It was that was wacky. You definitely <laughs> took us somewhere. It's for a ride. I still love V's visual of that though. Just, I was picturing like the Scooby Doo hallway, you know, when they're going through all the different doors and stuff. Hitler, <laughs> Punisher, and uh, booty shorts. Nope. <laughs> oh, that, that's gonna haunt me. You haven't seen Punisher and booty shorts? No. Well. All right, just stay away from David Tulaski's Instagram, I guess. I guess so. Oh, wow. <laughs> I would have preferred this being a f- just full Gwynpool, um, Christopher Hastings one. Mm-hmm. I would have preferred it to be that. That's what I was expecting when I saw w- what you were covering. I've noticed with a lot of these specials, they're very more anthology-esque, less solo issues. The Red Skull thing is weird because I haven't seen Gwenpool really go up against him. He's not like in her repertoire. Yeah, it's not in her repertoire. Yeah. Miles makes a lot of appearances. Mm-hmm. So, I've talked about him before. Having that dragon show up in two stories back to back. Whenever Fen Feng Poom enters, I'm always like, oh, great, this is a throwaway. Because, mm-hmm. like, he's so bizarre and stupid, and it's just kind of trashes whatever part like there's one where what's her name captain marvel Mm, carol danvers nope the good one monica she went through all these changes and she was going by auntie monica or something at that point and she joined this group of other weirdos and they were drawn like real strange and she was battling fin fang foom and they made it so insane because he was like wearing diapers and making Ugh. like poop jokes and what? they're fighting him in this like really over the top way oh. and it was just it was like a an acid dream that was like when my, I think that was my first introduction to him and ever since then every time I see him it's still bad every mm. time like I've never seen a well written comic with him in it it's so weird because like I never read anything with him. I want to say maybe he okay. showed up in like one Hulk comic that I read, but my only experience with Fin Feng Foom was in the 
Ultimate Alliance video game from like the early 2000s. He's like one of the first ba- uh, boss battles you fight, and I hated him. He uh, he didn't really speak at all in that. I think he was like mind controlled or something like that. But I thought like he was like a really tough dude. <laughs> yeah, I think he does make an appearance, Fing Fing Foom, in my like shittiest villains of all time book. I just found this book randomly, and it's just, like, a listing of the worst villains ever created. And I think he makes an appearance. Oh, can't he, wait to go he, he belongs book. with Egg Fu Young over here with, like, <laughs> shitty yeah. villains that are so racist. Like, similar to Joe. This is the first comic I've ever actually read with anything in him. I only knew of him because of the Lego Marvel <laughs> game. Yeah. Because he's a, you don't fight him. He's not a playable character in the main storyline. He's just like a random DLC character that you can just turn into. Oh. It is really fun because you fly around in this giant dragon Lego, though. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's a bonus. So I thought it was this badass dragon guy, like, villain oh. thing. And I'm like, nope. He's like a D-list villain. And yep. he is an actual dragon that talks. Yeah. It's very bizarre. So, V, what do you have to close us out? All right. So, I got, I got my boy Spidey. Oh, uh, he's everyone's boy. He's... <laughs> He's one of us. <laughs> you mess with one of us. You mess with all of us. Um, but yeah, Spider-Man's Holiday Special number one, 1995. I thought I'd go back to a classic. It also kind of comes back around to this year because Spider-Man was having the worst year ever, <laughs> which is like every year. You know what I mean? Yeah. I love Spider-Man because he really gets like the short end of the stick and he just takes that stick and he goes i'll make it work so you know it's a holiday special so it's got like a few things in it um obviously it has like different quality levels Mm -hmm. the first one is called a matter of faith and it is my favorite story it starts strong it's by writer glenn greenberg and if we were going to rate it i would say it is a nine out of ten wow the art and the writing it is your classic holiday story it's very sweet artist kevin mcguire now you did it has jimmy palmiotti on inks oh wow yeah that's a throwback right it's <laughs> a good 20 years ago yeah. yeah so back in 1995 we know what he was doing <laughs> um but yeah so this is a really classic one i think it's pretty well known but spider-man is having this rough christmas he's kind of down in the dumps he's like fighting people but he's had to like fake his death so nobody knows that Peter Parker exists anymore. What? Like they think Peter Parker is dead. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so he can't hang out with any of his friends. His Aunt May is dead. Ah. Oh. So he is missing her. I don't know what happened to Mary Jane at this point, but I'm assuming she's not around because he's just like, there's nobody. So we, Yeah, so we start off, he's fighting some thugs that are like harassing a nice old couple he gives him some fun quips. He's kind of upbeat. He's being himself, right? He's written like the good Spider-Man. The Spider-Man where he's funny, he's quippy. Some guy points a gun and he's like, gasp, a gun, I've never seen one before. <laughs> and then he webs it. The guy's like, my gun. He's like, my fish. <laughs> with it. <laughs> you know, he's being silly. He like wraps all the villains up in the shape of a, a Christmas tree against oh the side God. of the wall. That's he's, so cute. Yeah, he's he's crazy. He just goes, he picks up all the parcels for the old people. He's like, here you go, folks. They're a little damp, Aww. but it's okay. 
And anyways, they're like, thank you, Spider-Man. You're such a good boy. And they, like, walk away with their arms around each other in, like, the sweetest way. And he's just like, loved ones. Oh, that's an interesting concept. (laughs) And he's just like, I haven't been in New York in five years. Wow. He's like, this has been so rough. He goes through his whole list of things, Mm. everything that's going wrong. And he's like, I'm just your lonely neighborhood Spider-Man. You know how Spider-Man always does that? He's like, I just did a great thing. I was quippy. I was funny. But you don't know the darkness inside. (laughs) I've been dealing with a lot. But I'm not bitter. (laughs) Anyways, gotta go back to saving people because that's what I do. And this woman swan dives off uh, the Brooklyn Brooklyn Bridge. Bridge. Yeah, so he's just like, "Ah!" (laughs) he goes after her. He's like, what was I doing? Self-pity? No. (laughs) (laughs) I gotta do my superhero thing. So he saves her. He's like, maybe we should take you to a hospital. And maybe you shouldn't jump off of bridges around here. I've got kind of this hang-up about when you fall off of bridges. (gasps) (laughs) Peter, no! (laughs) I'm glad he can laugh at the darkness. So anyways, (laughs) she just starts yelling at him. It's, Mm -hmm. I wanted to die. I got no friends. I got no family. I got no job. I got no money. I'm a writer in New York. So that's a thing. Today, I got kicked out of my apartment, and I just thought, you know what? No one's going to miss me if I'm gone. And he's like, ah, I know how that feels. That's how I found out when I thought I was a clone. (laughs) 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 And he's like, all right, look, I know how you're feeling. I've been through what you've been through. What's your name? He kind of talks her down. You know, just he's like an active listener about like all Mm -hmm. of her problems. She tells him her life story as he swings around town. He's into it. He's going to have like a whole heart to heart with her. He's going to explain to her how she matters. But wouldn't you know it, there's a riot at the Manhattan Mall. Scorcher is robbing people. And he's like, okay, you stay here and be safe. I have to go deal with this heat guns burn through his webs Hmm. he shoots him through a window the guy almost kills a homeless man with a fire blast the homeless guy's like blind so he can't see that a fireball is going to come right at him what's her name the jumper like runs in front jumps in front of this guy (laughs) she's really good at jumping she like jumps (laughs) and grabs this guy and pulls him out of the way of the fire blast saves his life Spider-Man, like, he can't quite see if she's okay. Mm-hmm. So he's like, Jenny, no! He wraps his hands in webs. He's like, this is all I got. And then he just dives at the fire guy. And uh, he goes over to the girl. He's like, you're amazing. You saved that guy's life. Do you still think you don't make a difference? She's like, I didn't do anything, really. He's like, human being, Jenny. You just <laughs> saved one. Oh, on your own, you're a hero. And she's just like, Wow, maybe I can make a difference. Uh, Thanks, Spider-Man. And then uh, she says, you know what? I'm going to take this guy to the homeless uh, shelter so he can get a good meal. And maybe I'll volunteer there today because, like, I don't know what I'm going to do tomorrow, but I know today I could make a difference uh, in people's lives. And he's like, yep, busiest day of the year for them. So this is a great chance for you to, like, kind of reach out outside of yourself. So she goes off to do that. Spider-Man's like, this is fantastic. 
I'm going to go continue doing hero stuff, but, you know, Merry Christmas to you, Jenny, and to all a good night. That's kind of the end of the story. This is amazing. It's sweet, right? It's a classic Spider-Man. Just A+. Uh, It goes downhill from there. (laughs) So my girl, Black Hat, is the next person, of course. I would have felt a little bit guilty if I hadn't talked about one of the cats. It's kind of my jam. (laughs) But yeah, so it's called uh, The Cat Who Stole Christmas. Carl Ballers uh, writes it. The artist is Chris Gardner. The writing is bad. The art is bad. So there's some consistency there. Um, It's pretty much a silent comic. It's very quick. It's like Mm -hmm. a few pages. But basically what I assume happens because the storytelling, like the panels, it is not clear what is happening at any moment. It's a lot of extreme close-ups. There's like an extreme close-up of some bad guys laughing at the camera after we see a headline that says, someone stole orphans toys and then there's like an extreme close-up of black cat's earrings and then we see the guys getting arrested and running away with bags and then she goes down the chimney and goes right into uh the orphanage to give them back their toys so that was that that's the end of that one that was so oh gosh (laughs) it's pretty much wordless so then it, it next is called the venom clause it's written by Eric Fine. The artist is Javier Saltares, and he's not bad. Basically, what happens here is Venom comes across a Santa Claus lying in the snow all beaten up. And he's like, who are you? Why are you beat up? And the guy's like, ah, monster. And he's like, no, we're Venom. Don't be scared of us. We can shapeshift. Now we're a human. Are you cool with that? And he's like, yeah. Um... <laughs> He says, yeah, some guys beat me up, but what do you expect? It's New York. <laughs> so, uh, anyways, the cat, the Santa's like, I'm just gonna go. And, and Venom's like, we don't like this. So, the next day, Santa's out ringing his bell for the Salvation Army. Mm-hmm. And uh, a couple gets mugged right in front of him. The Santa Claus chases them down the dark alley, right? All these thugs. And they go, ah, Santa Claus. And they, like, beat him up. And they're, this guy's like, I'm going to take his hat for a trophy. So they oh take his hat. They try to take his hat off, and it's not coming off. And he's like, why is it coming <laughs> off? And he's like, it's because it's part of our body. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and Santa Claus morphs into Venom. <laughs> And all of a sudden, it's not a fun holiday story anymore. Because Venom's like, we're going to eat your heads. <laughs> and these guys are like, no, I want to live. And like two of them take off running. He grabs them with his like venom sticky goo and like drags them back. And oh like, my God. no, today you die. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and then there's a guy who like says, hey man, let him go or you're gonna get it. And he like has a gun (laughs) and pulls a gun on Venom and Venom's like, oh, you've got a gun. You're gonna shoot us. And he's like, do it or I'm gonna okay, you asked for it, mister. And he's like, blam, blam, blam. And Venom's like, you shot us. And he's like, you you left me no choice. (laughs) And Venom's like, that's a waste of metal. He says, well, we'll put it to good use. And he shoots the bullets out of his skin right at this guy. 
like full of all sorts of gross ideas about what to do with these people. <laughs> he's just like, uh, he's like, oh, what are you gonna do to me? And Benham has his hands around his neck. He's like, why kill you? Of course. Oh my god. He's like lifting him up off the ground. He says, but because it is the Christmas season, we won't prolong your suffering. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. And then this little lady goes, please let him be. He's like, what? You know, after what he did to your husband, why would you beg for mercy on his behalf? And she's just like, oh, don't mistake me for a fool. I know he's dangerous. I just want him in jail. (laughs) Please don't kill him. Let the police deal with him. It is Christmas. They're really looking forward to twisting his head off and using it as a Christmas tree ornament. (laughs) And the man's just like, Oh God! <laughs> she's just like, oh please, Mr. Venom. I think he's learned his lesson. And he goes, I guess you're right. Since it's Christmas, and he switches over to the eye. This is like, since it's Christmas, I'll let him live. And then he gives her a little smack on the cheek. Oh my gosh! Not smack, but you know, he kisses her. A little <laughs> smackaroo. Just goes smack. You are a very sweet woman. She goes, oh my. <laughs> I'm a married woman, Venom. <laughs> yeah, and then he goes, you on the other hand are filth, pure and simple, so I'll leave you with this warning. You and your punk friends better cease and desist your criminal activities, otherwise I'll be back. And then he just like puts his feet like right near the guy's <laughs> eyes. He's like, remember. And then he starts singing as he shoots his webs and, like, swings away. He's just like, we know who's naughty. (laughs) And we'll put him on ice. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not shout. We're telling you why. Venom Claus is coming to town. Oh, my God. That's so (laughs) (laughs) That was amazing. it's great and so cheesy. I love it. Oh. <laughs> it's so over the top and silly and dark. Is it like Eddie Brock? Uh, yeah. yeah. So it's the white, it's like the, the blonde, you know, buzz cut thing going mm-hmm. on. Yeah. And the, the, the big beefy oh, venom. He's so beefy. Yeah. It's just <laughs> like, even when he's Eddie Brock, it's like his uh, shoulder pads go out. <laughs> he's a Dorito. He's a Dorito. Yes. <laughs> Oh, it's so funny. I, I love the moment when Santa Claus's hat won't come off his head. It's just, part of us. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't your mom's Christmas. <laughs> Between that and I love the part where you're able to morph yourself into an old woman. <laughs> I do enjoy an old woman. <laughs> oh, Mr. Venom, please. It's Christmas season. <laughs> so silly i loved it uh i loved that he gives the old lady a little kiss on the cheek like you're nice <laughs> you're a sweet old lady and i'll kill you later when she's not looking <laughs> i'm gonna eat you that's <laughs> ah, great so uh yeah and by their reactions it makes you think oh good they won't be back mm-hmm. ever <laughs> yeah that was fun i enjoyed that I'm not gonna. I just like almost on par with with uh, Spider-Man. Yeah, it's like an eight point five. I was gonna say it's, it's really right really good. 
Um, the next one was Companions. I'd give that like a 2 out of 10. It was written by Adam Santangelo. And uh, Mike Manley did the art. His art was pretty good. It's about Willie Lumpkin. And he um, shows up to the graveyard to mourn Aunt May. And he's just talking to her about how much he misses her. And how she was such an important part of his life. And how he could never replace her. And like, Is that the mailman for the Fantastic Four? I think so, yes. Um, yeah. I didn't know that he was in a romantic relationship with Anne. I didn't know that either. And the wind picks up, and he's just there with his single rose, and it's all very sad. But then he sees another old lady, and she's talking to her husband, and she's basically saying, you know, there's nobody left in my life. I'm all alone. How am I supposed to endure the holidays without you? Mm. And he just goes, ah, oh, sorry to disturb you, ma'am. And and they meet very uh, 101 Dalmatian style. Yeah. With bonk heads sort of situation of and then of course they leave hand in hand and you see aunt may looking over them smiling it's very cheesy i wasn't into it because i was just really confused by willie being there and aunt may being dead and yeah i was just confused the whole time and it, it's not the story's fault it's just it's yeah. just like i don't know these people yeah what's happening uh i should probably like, leave off rating that one uh merry christmas mr storm I think oh. that's the most famous story in this, and honestly, it's messy. It's mm. a little confusing. Just the panel layout. concept is very sweet. So you know how Johnny Storm and Spidey are best bros mm-hmm. sitting on the Statue of Liberty, <laughs> one foot away, because Corona doesn't exist. <laughs> um, it's written by Sholly Fish, and the artist is Robert Brown and Joshua Hood. It's weird art. Like, the art is pretty good it's just that there are these little saturday mornings cartoon strip uh characters that oh. i mostly knows like a circle nose mm-hmm. little lumpkin characters that kind of just appear everywhere around the story in the borders they have nothing to do with the story they're just like little gremlins that are on the page i've never seen them before it's very strange that'd be distracting it's a little distracting i'm not sure which of these artists did it mm-hmm. but there's like little Christmas scenes happening with them that are not related to the story. So it's weird. It's a little funny. It's not too big of a problem. Anyways, Johnny Storm, he's waiting on top of the Statue of Liberty for Spider-Man to show up. And Johnny Storm is ticked. He's I mean, like, he can't flip his way to the Statue of Liberty. It's an island. What's he going to grab onto? You're going to take the boat? He was going to say he's going to have to stick to the ferry. Or thwip his way closer to the Jersey side and come around that way. <laughs> there you go. Well, it is closer to Jersey. It's in Jersey. <laughs> Do not get Joe started on that. <laughs> Let's move on. Johnny Storm. Yeah, that's our boy. I love Johnny Storm and Spider-Man's relationship. Here we go. Johnny Storm is sitting there. He's like, why won't Spider-Man show up? I know what'll get him. I'll make a spidey signal. And he just shoots the Spider-Man face with fire into the air. And it basically looks like the Statue of Liberty is just blowing fire. (laughs) Anyways, he's just sitting up there. He's reflecting. He's like, it wasn't like this last Christmas. And then we get a long thing of last Christmas. It cuts to Johnny Storm leaving his Fantastic Four mansion where Ben is just sort of passed out on the couch which usually means things aren't right in Denmark you know he flies off he's not having a great time he shows up to the Statue of Liberty and there's Spider-Man going it's about time you're late 
I've been waiting here, freezing my webs off. You've been having dreams of sugar plums while I've been sitting here waiting. Johnny's like, sorry. And he's just like, what? No, come back. It's like, ah, oh, you know, it's been a rough year. Don't worry about it. It's fine. No, no, no. What's the problem? He goes, okay, well, here's the thing. I got arrested. My wife turned out to be a scroll. Then she died. Then she came back and she tried to kill me. Then it turns out she was pregnant, except she wasn't pregnant. And then I almost burned down a major university oh to the ground. Gosh. My brother-in-law died. <laughs> Reed's dead. Uh, my sister, Sue, uh, is turning into a psycho. Uh, oh, yeah. And the woman I thought I married, she's in love with my best friend. Wow. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and Spider-Man's like, jeez. He's like, ah, you don't know what that's like, though. I don't know if I can explain it to you. Like, are you married? And he goes, what do you mean? Of course I'm married. Oh, wait. Uh, you don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm married. Jai's <laughs> like, oh, okay. So maybe you can't understand. It's like, oh, was that the part that... <laughs> After that, I was like, he was married to a scroll. Did I know that? I didn't know that. I think I kind of remember that. Who was he in love with? Holy cow. Who's his best friend? I know a lot of people did get duped by scrolls multiple times, so I, I'm not surprised. Especially the Fantastic Four. I don't even remember Reed Richards dying. I remember him dying. I Reed's, remember Johnny Reed's dying. Reed's died a couple times. I must have Reed's died at least time. twice. Anyways, he's just like, you know what? Things are complicated now. We're growing up. It used to be simple. We get together. We'd knock each other around a little. Then we'd realize we'd been tricked by some mastermind villain. Then we'd go after them, and it'd be like the fox or a lizard or whatever. They start reflecting about all these adventures and like very specific details. I'm sorry. Johnny married Alicia. <gasps> the thing's wife. Oh, the thing's wife. Oh. oh. So that's. And it was actually a scroll. So when he met the real Alicia, the real Alicia had a thing for. Ben. Yep. I actually do remember this now. It's coming back. I had to look that up. I was too curious. It just seems like a bad time for Christmas to be happening. Anyways, Spider-Man, he gets real, like, heart-to-heart with Johnny, you know? He's just like, someone tells him, I've got problems. They open up, and he's like, oh, equity. Let me tell you about myself. Mm -hmm. So he's like, look. Uh, I don't think I've been a very good friend. We've known each other. You're like kind of my best friend in the business. I've been keeping secrets from you. It's time I tell you. He just starts to take off his mask. And Josh's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We are not there yet. Like, keep your ugly face covered. I don't want to see that. He's like, all I know is you're my buddy. Here, Merry Christmas. And he gives him a present. And it's a little Venom doll. He's like, it talks. If you squish that button, it says, I want to eat your brains. (laughs) And Spider-Man's just looking at him like, oh, good. My wife's going to love this. (laughs) And he goes, here, this one's for you. And he actually wrapped that one, put a little tag on it that said torch. And it's the Statue of Liberty souvenir. That's oh, it. one of those big heavy ones, yeah. Yeah, he gives him a big heavy paperweight, and Johnny's just like, what? <laughs> what? 
why? And he's like, look on the bottom. <laughs> and it's his home phone number. And he's Aww. like, you call that if you ever need to talk. <laughs> like, Kind of like I'm always there for you, not just every Christmas or time we meet up to fight each other. And he goes, aw. And, and Spider-Man's just like, well, I guess I better be getting back. So he takes off, and uh, the torch takes off, and they're just like, Merry Christmas, webs! Merry Christmas, hothead! See you next year, bro! <laughs> and then we cut back, and, and it's uh, Torchy, and he's just standing there waiting for Spider-Man still, and Spider-Man shows up, and he goes, It is you! And, and so we're just like, yeah, finally! What? It's been like two hours, all so you could change your costume? And he's just like, Oh, I get it. Yeah, you're confusing me with someone else. I'm, um, I'm Ben Riley. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't say he's Ben Riley, but he, he does say, like, you know. I'm a different Spider-Man. I'm that Spider-Man's clone. <laughs> he's just like, I'm a clone. I don't really know what I'm doing. And I'm scared out of my mind. They, like, sit down and talk and pouring his heart out to Johnny. He said, is he still at the same phone number, though? <laughs> And he's like, no. He left town with his wife, and who knows where he is. And uh, he goes, oh, I hope he's okay. He's like, yeah, me too. And he's like, well, you're going to need help. So here, and he gives him his phone number, his personal phone number, and he's like, in case you ever need to talk. He's like, wow, thanks. He's like, nah, you do the same for me, so you want to meet next year? (laughs) He's like, count on it. And that's the bookend to the story. Hmm. It's really sweet. Yeah. It's sweet. That ending was a little confusing, though. Especially because Johnny didn't know he was Peter Parker. And mm. there would be no reason for Spider-Man to swing over there. <laughs> You're still hung up on, like, how far Actual reasonings as to why? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I thought it was kind of sweet. I still feel like overall, though, like, the mini-stories in there the good ones there's more of the majority over the bad ones in that yeah it was sincere it was mm-hmm. just cheesy but overall i really felt like it had a lot of heart in it it had a lot of like the holiday spirit and it really stuck to the theme mm-hmm. i think a lot of times what we see is like these writers kind of trying to show off and not really like doing justice to the characters but trying to drag the characters into their style right this is my xxx instead of like this is the XXX. Right. So, like, this all felt very true to the characters. Like, I'm going to write Spider-Man to the best of my abilities instead of I'm going to make a version of me that is Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And that's when you really appreciate, like, writers, like, let's say, like, Joshua Williamson mm-hmm. for The Flash. Because right. he's not like, this is my Flash. This is, I'm writing The Flash that I grew up with. Right. As best as I can in a modern setting. Yes, exactly. He's like, this is true to the character that I was raised on. I'm not going to mm-hmm. try to give him depression or have him fight his dad or, <laughs> you know, maybe change his anything. It was pretty good. It was very heartfelt, and it really showed. So nice. I want to, like, give the editors on that some credit, too, because, mm-hmm. like, whoever's in charge of compiling those stories, uh, anyone who's in charge of hiring the writers and sorting through any pitches like that kind of stuff it really showed there was a lot of thought and care put into it and i appreciated that that's why it is one of the biggest classics Hmm. and why i thought i would bring it to your attention just in case you hadn't read it 
I appreciate it, because I did not read it. I knew of the the last story, the Johnny and Peter. That first one, I really do like. I want to say just the comebacks and the clips. That was very, like, Spidey level that I know. Uh-huh. Reminded me a lot of the cartoon from the 90s. Right. That oh, Venom yeah. one, though, is <laughs> just... <laughs> Out of left field. Great, though. Bet you never read a Venom Christmas story before. I have not. Nope. And I want more. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe maybe the next Venom film. (laughs) Venom 2. So what would you rate like that overall? I knew he was going to say this. All right, I rated 8 out of 10 dreidels. Bitch. (laughs) All right, you were going to do the comic news? Yeah. We have a lot to go over. Because DC decided to just dump a whole bunch. I know Marvel just released a whole bunch too. But most of that stuff has to do with like the media with the Disney Plus shows and the movie and things. So we don't Mm -hmm. have the time to cover all of that. Nope. So you can find a lot of that on their Twitter, I know. And most of it, I think most of it was just them confirming a lot of the shows. Mm -hmm. And we still don't obviously have release dates because of COVID. But um, the only ones we do are Loki, WandaVision, and... Falcon Winter Soldier. That's mm-hmm. it. So. so, starting off, Fantastic Four is finally joining the MCU, is said to come out with Phase 3. It's directed by John Watts, and the feedback about it has not been positive at all. Like, I know oh. everybody's been, like, super excited for the Fantastic Four, but everything I've seen on Twitter, Instagram, and all this stuff, nobody is excited for John Watts. I looked this guy up. I know absolutely nothing this guy did. He looks like he did a bunch of, like, C-list movies and stuff that I was able Mm. to find. But he's also doing the Far From Home sequel for Spider-Man. Yeah. That's as much as I know. And I couldn't really find any other reasons as to why everybody's so upset about this guy. Probably for the Ryan Johnson treatment. Like, when you pull an indie artist out of, like... Or an indie filmmaker, I should say, out of obscurity, like kind of wonder what they're gonna do maybe so what i mainly have in the news section is all the new stuff dc comics decided to lay out that is going to be coming in march 2021 after the dc future state events apparently they were releasing what people are calling the infinite frontier dc is releasing a bunch of these different variants that are going to be rolling out in march they already tease four of them It is a uh, front cover to back cover variant for Batman 106, Justice League 59, Superman 29, and Wonder Woman 770. So the first issue for each of these series right after Future State. And people are calling it Infinite Frontier because as they were releasing these, each of them had a different phrase. Wonder Woman had Infinite Legends, and it shows, you know, just the regular Wonder Woman characters, Diana, Cassie, Donna... Uh, Dr. Psycho, Giganta, Artemis, I believe, Max Lord, Liar Liar, Cheetah, Yara Flor, the Brazilian Wonder Woman that's going to be introduced in Future State. The Superman one was Infinite Hopes. Has the usual, Batman was called Infinite Mysteries. Usual crowd. Damien, though, is dressed in all black. It looks like a classic Robin suit because it has like these yellow straps in the, down the middle. He's wearing, like, an old-timey mask that Dick used to wear back in, like, the gold and silver age and stuff. You also have some guy that looks armored out in, like, a dark blue armor. You have a scarecrow-looking guy, 
And of course, you know, Punchline is there too. And Ghostmaker, I thought. Oh, and Ghostmaker. And then for Justice League, it was called the uh, Infinite Adventures. You have a mixture of the Teen Titans team and Titans, which was uh, being nicknamed Teen Titans Academy. You had Amanda Waller and people from the Suicide Squad. You had Talon. You had Connor Kent in his black and red t-shirt. Which is weird. Lobo, Naomi, the Bendis character from the Wonder Comics. A uh, dark side with horns, which I've seen before, I believe, in New 52 or, like, early in Rebirth. And Black Adam. (laughs) And with the Justice League thing, Bendis teased that same variant and a second one. The second one had Hawkgirl, Green Arrow, Black Canary, Black Adam, and Naomi as well. Also, apparently, with this Justice League thing, Green Arrow is going to be leading the JLA. This is all that's been, like, teased and rumored so far. Yeah. I can see CW Ollie leading the Justice League, not Comic Ollie. No. Especially because, like, Comic Ollie's been non-existent for a while. Yeah. He did have a run early on into Rebirth, but I have not seen him in anything for a while. The only thing I've seen him in so far is Death Metal, but he barely has a speaking part. And then you have Deceased and Injustice, both written by Tom Taylor, both out of continuity. Ollie can barely run a moving vehicle. He should not be in yeah. the of other people. <laughs> we saw how Oliver was in, granted, not the best portrayals of characters, but Ollie, I felt, was spot on in the, the Justice League Unlimited right. uh, cartoon mm-hmm. that, like, one of the first couple of episodes, him, like, kind of leading that little small group. It was like, that was a train wreck. I think he tried it in Justice League America in the comics in the 70s. He's tried to do some leadership stuff once in a while, but everyone hates him because canonically just he's a little strong, a little bad at focusing (laughs) on the issue at hand. He tends to get sidetracked a bit. And also this whole thing with Black Adam. Like, I get like Black Adam has always been like an anti-hero type of thing, leaning more towards the villainy side because his main focus has always been his people. It's like, as long as my country is safe... Stay out of my way. Dr. Doom. Make sure anything's taken care of before I have to take care of it. Yeah. Similar to like Magneto and Dr. Yeah. Doom. I think this is what you guys were talking about with the movies um, inflicting with the comics on the comics. Because like, yep. you know, they're like, oh, it's The Rock. Well. Yeah. And then Shazam is making a comeback in the Justice League as well, according to like the teaser of the variant. Which is kind of nice, because he hasn't been involved in anything. But He's we're also so missing uh, some big names. Like, where was Flash? Where was Martian Manhunter? What's up like Barry? I'm going to get into that. Uh-oh. Oh, so, great. before we get to that, another new series, six-issue miniseries, called Crime Syndicate, is actually coming out. And it's going to be done by Andy Schmidt, who is a Marvel and IDW editor. And Kieran McCone, he was the artist for Halo and Aliens. And they're going to be telling the story of the crime syndicate's origin. So, they kind of spoiled the end of Dark Knight's Death Metal by giving this information. Because for people who are keeping up with that event, Earth 3 is gone. Earth 3 has been gone since you're the villain. Apparently at the end of Death Metal, the multiverse is getting reborn. 
meaning all the different Earths are going to basically return, they're going to need all new origins. These people are apparently going to be rewriting the origin for the crime syndicate of how they got together and everything. So I was super excited for this because I remember me and Muse were talking about a while back about how we would have loved to see a crime syndicate comic. Are they going to change the crime syndicate to make them, like, sympathetic? I mean... Uh, no, please don't. These guys... Except Owlman. I think Owlman's the only one that can really have sympathy because we've seen versions of him kind of being more Bruce Wayne-y Batman mm-hmm. where, like, taking more from the origins from Justice League from the cartoons. Mm-hmm. I think it was also Owlman or it was just an alternate Batman. Yeah. But uh, he wasn't all in on the being evil thing, and I'm pretty certain Owlman was also not all in on being the evil thing. He played um, to his benefits. So we might see something more sympathetic with him, which is fine. Mm-hmm. He's the only one that can be sympathetic. Unless we're going to get the Ultraman from the Bendis run. That decides to info dump on a young defenseless teenager in a volcano and then go crying as he flies away. But apparently with this one, we are going to get Ultraman, Superwoman, Owlman, Power Ring, Johnny Quick, and Atomica. Does this mean we get Gaslight Gotham back? I'm assuming all 52 Earths are going to return. Unless they want to bring it back to like before Crisis of Infinite Earths when it was just thousands of Earths. But also, Ultraman is going to be getting a side backup story at the end of, like, the main story of, like, how they all get together. Totally gonna make him sympathetic. The story is gonna get drawn by Brian Hitch, who was doing the art for uh, Robert Venditti's Hawkman series. Right. So It's gonna look pretty. It's gonna look good. So this debuts <laughs> March 2nd, 2021, and the first cover for it is gonna be done by Jim Chung. <gasps> And the variant by Scon. That cover's going to be really pretty. It looks nice. Really it looks good really good. They already released it on Instagram, I believe. Instagram and Twitter. Mm. I'm still curious to pick it up, especially because I've been keeping track of the death metal event, even though I don't like it. But I want to know what's going to go on with this multiverse stuff. We also have a Joker series coming by James Tinian, which is actually going to be a horror noir with art from his buddy Gillam March. <laughs> and it is actually going to be a Jim Gordon story, according to James Tinian. He's like, don't let the title fool you. This is actually going to bring our favorite character back into the forefront, Jim Gordon. All right. He didn't really go much into the story, but apparently it began in the Punchline special number one that came out in the beginning of November. And it's also going to be featuring characters such as Leslie Tompkins and Harper Rowe. Yeah. And, of course, more Punchline. So that was all set up in Punchline number one. Yes. And also, DC is taking a little note from the famous and popular Batman black and white stories. They're going to be making a Superman red and blue. Mm. Basically, same concept. You're going to have a bunch of different writers, a bunch of different artists, using only those two colors to tell the stories. It's going to be great. Sounds cute. It's going to be a six-issue miniseries. Also, for people who have an HBO Max subscription, Snyder's Justice League is arriving three months early. It is actually going to be coming out in March 2021. Some fan was really excited. He said, great, burn all of Whedon's editions. Just burn it all. 
And to which Snyder responded with, I understand and, of course, respect your feelings, and I just hope I can wipe that version out of existence with what you will see in March. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I thought he was going to, like, try to be diplomatic for a second. Nope. He is hoping to wipe everybody's memories of Joss Whedon's Justice League. I mean, like, usually when people say I respect your feelings, it sounds like they're going to disagree with you. He's just like, no, full steam ahead. (laughs) Are you going to see that train wreck? Uh, I mean, do I have a choice? I don't want to. I really don't. I don't even have an Uh, HBO subscription. Drive in theaters. I'm probably going to wait for, like, all the miniseries to come out. Yeah. Get the free subscription. And then we'll review it. And then cancel it, and we'll re- yeah, we'll review it in that time. Also, back to the comic realm, new Nightwing creative team, as well. Yes! Tom Taylor and Bruno Redondo are going to be taking over the Nightwing run from Dan Jurgens, starting with issue number seventy-eight. I'm excited. I like Tom Taylor's work. I think that he is going off of Suicide Squad. I don't know if he's going to be writing them in tangent. I really am looking forward to this. I'm probably going to pick this up. Dick is back. I'm not saying that Dan Jurgens didn't do a good job. Like he did a really good job. He was just dealing with yeah. He had to deal with that because Jurgens is an incredible writer. Mm-hmm. But I love Tom Taylor. His writing's very consistent, even though I know people have issues with injustice. But he does a really good job of writing it. He pulls you in. The only other story that I've read all the way through is uh, X Men Red, the latest one. Cause there's been so many X Men. Red, mm-hmm. blues, and yellows in the past. It was only like I think twelve issues, and it was a very short story, and it got canceled very early because of the whole X Men reshuffling thing. And it was just so good. And I know he has an indie story as well that I need to oh, check out. I got picked it up. Yeah, I'm excited because honestly, like, yeah, I I like the Unjustice stories. I love the DC stories, and I feel like he really does have like a good grasp of like the tone of all these different characters. And then going back to the Flash, the New creative team that is going to be taking over once again in March is going to be Jeremy Adams and Brandon Peterson. This comes out March 16th with Flash number 768. So Jeremy Adams actually normally works with more like the animation and like movies and stuff like that. He worked on the Lego DC movies. He worked on the Teen Titans Go versus Teen Titans movie. Brandon Peterson, he's mainly been doing covers, but he did the interior art for uh, Shazam with Jeff Johns. He did a couple issues for Superman, for X-Men, for Titans, a whole bunch of other ones for like DC and Marvel. DC teased the first arc, which is apparently going to be a redemption arc for Wally West. Since Wally has mainly been gone from the main continuity ever since Heroes in Crisis. And he only showed up again in the flash forward, which was to redeem him from Heroes in Crisis. And then he showed up again in Death Metal, being fused with the powers of Dr. Manhattan and the Mobius chair. Poor Wally. What a cluster. Such a cluster. But this is apparently going to bring him back in post-Death Metal. Wally cares more about family than being the Flash, but there's apparently going to be something that's going to try and bring him back in. So now the question is going to be who's going to uphold the mantle of the Flash? Is it going to be Barry still or is it going to pass over to Wally again? But we'll find out in March. Can't they just share it like they have in the past? I know. No, that would be like Nightwing getting married. We can't have that. <laughs> There's no reason particularly. It's just that the higher-ups have demanded there must be one Flash. Either Barry must die or Wally must become insane. 
So that's what we get to look forward to. Death of Barry! Woo! <laughs> and then oh. the last bit of news that I have is for the new creative team for both Action Comics and Superman taking over from Ryan Michael Bendis. It's going to be written by Philip Kennedy Johnson, and the art is going to be done by both uh, Phil Hester, Daniel Semperi, and Scott Godlewski. So Phil Kennedy Johnson, his name's kind of floated around a bit. He's mainly been known currently for The Last God, the black label title, one of the first black label titles so far. That was supposed to be DC's attempt of diving into the world of D&D. Mm. He also appeared in the DC Showcase from 2018. He wrote for Marvel's Empire, Captain America, and uh, Empire Omnibus. And also, Arkea's Jim Henson's Beneath the Dark Crystal series. Oh, yeah. Captain America, out of all of like the Marvel Empire spinoff things, was actually really well written and very compelling. So I think he can easily translate that into more of a Superman style. I'm also curious because he's going to be taking over the future state uh, Superman titles as well before that. Oh. A lot of these new writers that are going to be jumping onto the main series, they're mainly writing the future state stuff before they take on the main run. So I guess like the future state is like kind of give you a taste of like what they do. And then it's like, oh, you don't like them? Too bad because they're sticking around. Well, at least it gives you a, a taste before yeah. you start trying to get into a full Except run. it's a horrible story. I don't want to hear why Superman's a gladiator in space. And I don't want to hear yeah. about why John thinks it was a good idea to bottle Metropolis. Um, the only person I will say is Phil Hester. I'm not really excited for his art. I feel like his art fit a lot better more in like early 2000s, late 90s and stuff. Maybe not so much now. He did some of the art for the uh, Superman Endless Winter one shot i wasn't really a fan of it i'm excited come march because i'm trying to avoid future state at all costs <laughs> and thank you guys so much for listening to the past 43 episodes of our podcast oh yeah thank you and we're hoping to thank give a lot new content changing a couple more things up it'll be great but i hope everybody stays safe has a happy holidays have a happy new year and you will hear back from us in January 2021. Hey. <laughs> so take care, guys. 